Hello, teacher friends. Welcome to episode number 27 of the Beyond Measure podcast. My name is Christina Whitlock, here for you always as your anytime piano teacher friend, whenever you need one. (laughs) Thanks for being here today. Today, we are continuing our look at those all-important details concerning recitals. (laughs) Dun-dun-dun! So before we go any further, while we're hanging out on this topic this week, I wanted to make a quick suggestion that you go back into my archives and take a listen to episode number three, of this podcast. Yes, way back to episode three. (laughs) It's titled Cheers to Seasons. And I just think it has a lot of relevant information pertaining to recitals. So if you're looking for a bonus episode this week, I would strongly suggest popping back to episode number three. (laughs) I will say this. I realized after last week's episode that if I want to give you all of my thoughts on this topic, I am going to have to turn this into like a lightning round of sorts. And so just buckle up, my friends, because I'm about ready to throw a ton of ideas your way. So last week, we tackled a few things related to getting ready for recitals, including recital day warm-ups, group photos, and delegating responsibilities. So this week, we're tackling, well, like everything else. (laughs) So let's go. Let's talk about some more basic level recital things. So I mentioned before that I feel like my recitals are a real highlight of our studio year, like for sure. And I think they're a great way for us to celebrate progress together. Have you ever known parents of competitive dancers? I'm always impressed by the way they end up rooting hard for all the dancers in their studio all season long. I mean, parents love to see other kids developing their skills and growing in confidence. And if I'm being really honest, they also love seeing how their kid is like stacking up in the mix. (laughs) So for that reason, it is important to me that my students all stay together in one recital. So I know many of you with large studios divide into smaller recitals, and especially this year, that might be even more the case than ever. So hear me on this. (laughs) I do not think that is wrong at all. Because actually, I see so much good in breaking your large studio up into smaller, more personal gatherings with fewer students involved. I know they get to play more, families get out of there in less time. I don't know, maybe performers are less nervous at that point. I don't know. I'm just saying I get it. I love the logic. (laughs) I just can't get past families not being able to see everyone play. I count on my advancing students to inspire the young ones. And I like parents seeing the relationship that I have with all of my students. The list for me goes on and on. So for now, I have one 
recital. But I do everything in my power to have all of the playing done in under an hour. For me, under an hour is like the magic number. (laughs) So this does mean that I end up limiting the number of pieces, sometimes more than I would like to. Um, And it also means running a pretty tight ship. So here's the deal. For two weeks prior to recital time, my students and I practice what I'm going to call the Whitlock recital routine. (laughs) They know that they're allowed to sit with their families at the recital until two performers before them on the program. So then during the applause, they will sneak quickly up to the front row where I sit And I always have at least three or four empty spots beside me. That way, there is a very quick jaunt up to the piano. (laughs) So that means that while a performer is taking their bow after their pieces, the next performer is taking a very short walk up to the piano. So the audience simply keeps their applause rolling. (laughs) The new performer takes their bow. They sit. They play. The whole thing. We repeat and repeat and repeat. (laughs) So I love it because number one, it's efficient. (laughs) And number two, I get a moment with my students just before they play and I get to give them a thumbs up or whisper an inside joke with them. And, you know, it just helps me know that everything is running smoothly because I already have the next person in line already sitting there. So maybe that sounds complicated, but I promise it's really not. (laughs) And once students have had their first recital, it's especially easy because they always remember how we do it. Let's take a quick second and talk about bowing. So my students know that bowing is our way of saying thank you for clapping for me, (laughs) right? So we do lots of things. Again, at least two weeks before the recital, we will practice the whole thing. I'll have them practice sitting in a chair across the studio. I'll have them practice walking, standing in front of the bench, and we have a little routine we talk about. So they plant their feet, they look out and smile, and then they take their bow. We use the word hippopotamus because hippopotamus is my favorite animal. (laughs) So they all know that I just say Mrs. Whitlock's favorite animal on the way down and on the way back up. Um, And then they sit and play. And then when their final piece is over, they stand, they plant their feet, they smile, (laughs) and then they bow again. And then they get to go back and sit with their family. (laughs) Reminding students to smile and actually look out to their audience is the best way you can get rid of that whole thing where someone kind of like walks up to the piano and bows like in (laughs) mid-step. And so we always talk about planting our feet, looking out and smiling, then taking our bow. There you have it. Now let's talk about some sequencing. So I still, for the most part, like the idea of moving from the least advanced student up to the most advanced with a few exceptions. (laughs) So I know there are lots of good arguments for mixing things up a bit more, but for me, it always comes down to the fact that 
I think it's intimidating for younger novice players to get up and play something smaller when someone just really dazzled the audience. Um, But at the same time, I do not put my newest student in that very first performing spot because that is also hard. (laughs) So I like to begin with like maybe an elementary level duet or a later elementary solo, someone who is consistently confident and ultra prepared. (laughs) Have you ever noticed how students mimic the energy of those around them at these kinds of events? I don't know about you, but I have had some nervous recitals, (laughs) and they almost always seem to start off with a really nervous performer. So I always think that first performance ends up setting so much of the tone. If the student gets up and looks like they're having a great time, most of my performers seem to have a great time. If that first performance is catastrophic, (laughs) well, sometimes that means there's more where that came from on its way. (laughs) So anyway, I'll start with that, and then I might program an adult student or two if I have any of them that are playing that day, just because we all know adult nerves cannot stand that waiting. (laughs) So then once the crowd is warmed up a little bit, I usually follow with students for whom this is their first recital. So I like to give special recognition in the program for several distinctions. So maybe we'll just tackle that right now. I like to designate first-time performers just because it's fun to give them a reason to celebrate and it helps get parents really excited for all the years to come. So in addition to first-time performers, I award five-year plaques to students when they have obviously taken lessons with me for five years. Uh, More on that later, but they are designated in the program. And anyone who has studied for more than five years gets a distinction in the program as to how many years they have studied. And then at eight years, I name them legacy honorees, and they get their names engraved on a perpetual plaque that hangs in my studio. And of course, their names are designated in the program. (laughs) And I also note any graduating seniors. So that's a lot of notes in the recital program, but it also serves as a nice keepsake for families on those special occasions. So back to sequencing. I like to end the program with some combination of senior recognitions and legacy honorees. So it looks a little bit different each year depending on who is being honored and what they're playing, but it's a great way to end things kind of ceremoniously. (laughs) So, and then, I guess that's a great transition, we then conclude with an awards recognition. Now, I know, some of you love recital awards, (laughs) and some of you, well, don't love recital awards. (laughs) So here's my ideal. I reward longevity, plain and simple, that's it. So again, students get certificates for their first recital. I print no other certificates for anyone else 
because they don't care. <laughs> but that first time performer certificate does seem to be appreciated, especially since it's the only one they get. <laughs> so first up for awards are those first time performers. So I call them up, I present their certificates. We take a really cute group photo, like it's time to page that designated photographer we talked about last week, right? <laughs> and then I present the five-year plaques. I give a little speech about each of those kiddos. Then I do the same for the legacy honorees. And then we'll end with any graduating seniors I have. So if that sounds time-consuming, I assure you it is not. <laughs> I like to point out that I kind of stumbled upon this plan. Um, I just started honoring these distinctions um, after I had relocated my studio because I just wanted to celebrate my students for hanging around and I was super proud of them. And that is very much still my motivation, but it has proven to have a most lovely side effect in that it keeps studio families looking into the future. Students cannot wait to meet those five, eight, and graduating senior benchmarks, truly. For me, that is easy. <laughs> so I am not having to choose a dedicated practice award recipient or parent of the year award recipient um, or most improved or anything like that. Now, those are great ideas and I really love the sentiment of them. But personally, I would sweat those decisions way too much. I would have an impossible time making those choices. <laughs> so I stick with length of study because it's concrete. And I can absolutely promise you, it is 100% fact that some of my students hang around just to get their names on that eight-year plaque. And I am totally here for that because it gives me all that time to impart on them all of the benefits that music study has to offer. I'm all for it. Okay, so let's see. We've talked about sequencing and awards and bowing and you know what? Let's just do a lightning round of questions, shall we? <laughs> First, do I require adult students to play in recitals? Absolutely not. <laughs> they are always welcome to, but never required. They do not have to memorize their music. Um, I used to have several adult students that chose to play, but that number has definitely been dwindling over the years. So more on performance opportunities for adult students are probably coming in another episode sometime down the line. <laughs> Next up, do I require my students to memorize? Yes except for adults. <laughs> so throw tomatoes at me if you want. But I do really love the formality of traditional recitals. I like the dressing up, the bowing, the playing. I mean, and I think my families do too. So yes, I also just really think students play better when they're playing from memory. So are there possible exceptions to that rule? Absolutely. <laughs> and do I judge teachers who don't require memorization? 100% not. I understand the logic there. So it's one of those things. It's your studio, your rules. So let's talk about gifts. Do I give recital gifts? No. 
<laughs> As I said, I have certificates for those first timers, plaques for five year awards. I have my studio plaque for the eight years. And I do give seniors a little gift that I make. Um, I make them one of those name collages where I sit down and I choose adjectives that I think describe each senior. And I really do take my time in choosing them. So I try to make them really special. And I use wordart.com. That's wordart.com <laughs> to formulate those words into the shape of a music note. So I save them, I print them as five by sevens, I stick them in a frame, and voila! <laughs> they are very inexpensive but meaningful gifts. I like to customize the color scheme to fit the university colors where they are heading to college, um, and I just think that's always appreciated. Do I charge for recitals? Well, my students pay a registration fee at the beginning of the academic year that covers all other fees for the year. So I do charge in a roundabout way, but there is no specific recital fee. So I do have one request of my studio families, which brings me to my next question. What about recital food? <laughs> Genius level here, friends. I'm telling you. <laughs> I supply drinks, which is usually water bottles and Capri Suns. <laughs> and then I ask each family to provide one dozen utensil-free snacks. <laughs> Did you hear that utensil-free part? <laughs> That's really important because it prevents someone from showing up with a cake or a big fruit plate or something when you don't have any utensils to serve it with. <laughs> so we always end up with the best variety of snacks and kids end up looking forward to it like crazy and I encourage them to take lots of snacks. <laughs> In fact, the best idea is to also bring some of those treat bags that you can buy like at the party supply store. That way, not only can students load up at the recital, but they can also take some of their leftovers home. <laughs> I also like to have a designated place to take the leftovers, like someone's office or the teacher's lounge at my kid's school or wherever, so I don't get stuck with all those goodies. <laughs> so families very simply just drop off their treats in the designated area when they arrive for that recital. Sometimes it's helpful to assign someone to kind of just glance at the table and make sure that everything is ready for consuming, <laughs> but it's really low maintenance. So I think that's great because I usually end up taking photos with students in the recital hall for a good long time after the recital. So I like not having to babysit the snack table. <laughs> Next question, do I print programs? Yes, <laughs> but hear me, I only print them the day of the event. I like things as streamlined as possible, 
And anytime I've ever tried to print them any earlier than the day of, there is always some kind of last minute change. So that throws off the printing, which throws off our seating routine that I mentioned earlier. And that just really drives me crazy. So I never print it sooner than the day of. <laughs> last question for the day. Do I play at my studio recital? Well, sometimes yes, and sometimes no. It just depends on the time. Again, I really try to make sure that all of that playing is done under an hour. So that generally means there is not going to be time for me, but sometimes there is. So my advice in that case is that if you're going to play, and I think it's great if you can, um, you know, keep it short, <laughs> take liberties, take cuts, you know, if you're playing something Schubert and repetitive, then, you know, just play a theme or two, <laughs> but do something short and flashy or just fun and recognizable, but quick and enjoyable are key elements there. Oh, okay. How was that for a lightning round? <laughs> Here's the big picture gist, my friends. <laughs> I love recitals because they offer everyone a really strong glimpse into the studio that they're part of. You know, this is your legacy and now it's, this is your best chance for people to see you in action. So, you know, students get to know one another's playing, they get to hear other repertoire, they get to shine in their own right, you know, the list just goes on and on. Studio recitals are pretty much always the best days for me as teacher because I get completely overwhelmed with tons and tons of lovely feedback from super, super happy parents. So it truly turns into such a love fest and it fuels me for so much of the year. You know, we take pictures that become iconic in both our lives. <laughs> I get to speak love to each student and their family. Oh, that reminds me, bonus tip, make sure you do everything you can to make sure you speak one-on-one -on -one to each student before and after the recital. I use the program as kind of a checklist. <laughs> so if anyone sneaks out early, the second people are gone and I'm working on cleanup, I take a few minutes to text the families that I didn't get to talk to. It's just good for them to see how important they are to you since they have been watching you deal with other families too. <laughs> you want to make sure they know you remember that you didn't get to talk to them. So, oh, teacher friends, can you just feel the excitement? <laughs> you know, even if these kinds of recitals are still on hold for you, I hope that this conversation has given you something to look forward to. And with that, allow me to offer up a toast to you. <laughs> Music teacher friends of the world, it is time to shine. <laughs> it's time for your students to shine, and it's time for you to be seen for all of your incredible work all year long. <laughs> Regardless of what your recital situation is or isn't this year, 
I encourage you to find some way for your students to show their stuff in the next couple of months. Everybody benefits from this precious gift of music study. Everyone. <laughs> Cheers to you, my friends. Here, here. Okay, episode 27 is in the books. <laughs> so for real, please consider hopping back and listening to episode three that's called Cheers to Seasons later this week. Um, I happen to think it's pretty good and I really have a hard time saying that. <laughs> Be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook. I'm there at beyondmeasurepodcast.com. And you can always send me a message at beyondmeasurepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> and until next week, my friends, onwards and upwards we go.